never, ever marks the spot. I am altering the deep. Pray I don't alter it any further. Welcome to this week's episode of the Top 5 Report, the podcast that, like the rest of you, lost their Batman this week. And with a heavy heart, we say, Kevin Conroy, rest in peace. My name is Drew. I'll be your host for the evening. Along with me, as always, is my brother, Peter. Hey, man. Here. So, I wasn't sure how to tackle the Kevin Conroy situation. The the Kevin Conroy news. But, you know... I I was like, I got to say something, and I really wanted to, like, the day it happened, I struggled over my words on Twitter, and I was like, I want to post something, maybe on Instagram, I don't know, and I just was like, I don't know what to say. Like, I never met Kevin. Um, as a fan, he, here's the thing, like, as a lifelong Batman fan, Kevin Conroy very quickly became the voice of Batman. On Mm -hmm. all levels, like to the point where I don't read a comic book without hearing his voice. And um, it's not like he has like he has the perfect Batman voice in the sense that he's got that Batman voice that says, I'm going to kick the crap out of you for the criminal things you're doing. But reaches the range of I got you, it's going to be okay. I'm here to help you to the lighthearted Bruce Wayne stuff. And I think he mastered that in a way that no other Batman actor has. And um, he, like I said, he became the voice I hear when I read a comic book. And very rarely does a celebrity death really hit me. And this was one that did. And I was really bummed out when it happened. Um, And I knew that I was like, you know what, let's just save it for the show so I can talk, Peter can talk, and just... As much as I wanted to open funny, I was like, you know, let's let's just do a quick Kevin. I'm so sorry to see you go. Um, You know, you were one of those treasures and I always wanted more of the Batman voice. But you gave us so much glorious Batman content that it's just, you know, I spent a lot of time watching some Batman this week. How about that? (laughs) Awesome. um, Did you have anything to say about that? I don't know. Like it's it's really hard to. follow up what you said like you just said it so well but when you talk about saving things for the show this is news that I heard and I honestly didn't look super into it I didn't like think about it and it's kind of one of those things where I didn't want to dwell on it because like this is a voice actor who had like such a big part of my childhood and my love for uh just superheroes whether it be like from comic books to uh you know tv to movies like 
Kevin Conroy has such a big role in my love for all that stuff. And uh, like you said, he is the voice of Batman. Like you read a Batman comic, you hear his voice in a, in your head, whether it's, uh, you know, Batman's dialogue or just like monologues and stuff as he uh, swings around the city. But um, yeah, it's just, it's really hard to know what to say, but it's, it's one of those things like I love the DC animated universe and I'm going to continue enjoying his voice acting as time goes on. And uh, it just rest in peace. Like we lost an absolute legend. And uh, I know there's always the debate about who played the best Batman and who played the best Bruce Wayne. And I feel like a lot of people online will say like, out of all the live action actors, like Michael Keaton did the best job of playing both roles. But if we're going to be real, Kevin Conroy, he did the best job out of anybody of playing both Batman and Bruce Wayne. And like you said, having those intimidating lines of dialogue, um, you know, intense action scenes, you have these suave, more like flirtatious Bruce Wayne moments, but you also have those calm, um, sort of like emotional Bruce Wayne moments. And he was just like the full package, uh, the perfect Batman voice. And uh, yeah, rest in peace. You will be missed Kevin Conroy. But like I said, his le legacy is going to live on because he has such a big chunk of just voice acting that is just going to be played ad nauseum forever. And I think it's awesome. So I'm, I feel like I've both gone on and on, but I'm also a bit lost. I have a bit of a loss for words in this case. You know what I mean? So, yeah, I hear you. I just figured we should talk about it. And like, it's not often we talk about like a celebrity death, but in terms of all the things that we talk about on the show, this one had to be discussed. Absolutely. Uh, that being said, I did watch a, uh, it, it was really quick for me to watch some Batman animated series. Like I basically just some random handful of episodes and like some of my favorites and bounce around a little bit. Um, I didn't watch much, but it was just kind of like, Ooh, I love this one. I love this one. Like, this is a great moment. Um, so yeah. And I'm going to say like, if you want to watch one of the best Batman, I know I've brought this up to you before, Peter, but if you want to watch, want to watch one of the best Batman stories ever done on the animated scale, it's from Justice League Unlimited. The episode is titled Epilogue. It's near the entire it's near the end of the run of the entire series, but it's called Epilogue. It ties in um, the Batman, the normal Batman we know with the Batman Beyond universe in a way that you never saw coming. And uh, I highly, highly recommend it. And it's heart it's it's heartwarming. It's tear jerking. It leaves that level of, oh, my gosh, I never saw that coming. There's a conspiracy here. There's a mystery here. Like, just what you would want from a story like that. So, um, highly recommend it. Um, yeah. Anyway. That's awesome. Now I want to hunt that down and see if I've actually watched that episode. But uh, the good news is I have a uh, toddler running around my house. <laughs> like, I'm just waiting till my son is, like, the right age to start getting into the DC animated universe. Because I think that's going to be a blast to you know, start with Batman, right. the animated series and just move forward with him um, as long as he enjoys it, of course. And if he doesn't, then I guess I'll just probably binge through that on my own. <laughs> but but uh, that's going to be awesome when I get to that point. So, yeah, um, well, let's uh, let's move on. What I watched something huge this week. Yes. Um, what did you watch before <laughs> I go into my review? <laughs> yeah, there's huge things that uh, happened that. 
I actually, I'm not going to even bury the lead. Uh, Black Panther uh, Wakanda Forever came out and I have not seen it. I've been really, really bad lately with going to the theater. So I apologize to you, Drew, and our audience. I've been horrible at it lately. Like I haven't seen any superhero movies on time and I need to remedy that. So I haven't seen it yet, but if you want to spoil things, that's totally cool. I'm excited to see it. I've just kind of had like this really annoyingly busy couple months lately, and I just haven't found the time to. But anyways, uh, the one thing I did watch, uh, which I can probably keep pretty short, but uh, I actually watched the movie uh, Where the Crawdads Sing, um, okay. which is on Netflix. And this movie came out this summer in theaters, I believe, and it got a lot of hype. It's kind of weird. Like, I feel like this movie got a lot of hype for its demographic, which I feel like is young adults to like 20 something uh, women. Almost. <laughs> but I feel like outside of that demographic, there was no hype for this movie. Like, I feel like it flew under the radar, but uh, my wife wanted to watch it and we watched the movie. And what I can say is like, this movie is a romance story, but I think there's a little bit of something in it for everybody because it has the romance stuff, but it has... It also has like a cool murder mystery that's interwoven into this story. And it has like this really cool, like almost um, off the grid survival aspect because the whole movie is about this girl who grew up in uh, the swamps of North Carolina. And she lives in this like small, like shack of a house that she grew up with her father in. And it's one of those, it's like this tragic tale of like, her father was abusive, so her mom ran away. All of her siblings ran away, and she was the last one left to live with her father. And then eventually her father left her, and she grew up in adolescence. She grew up by herself and learning to be an adult person, and she was just off the grid. And there's, like, that whole cool aspect of it, like this off-the-grid survival aspect to the movie but it also involves like she ends up meeting you know guys from the nearby town and uh has a couple relationships and that stuff's kind of interesting to see how it it plays out because you have the whole fish out of water thing and uh long story short this isn't too much of a spoiler because you kind of figured this out pretty soon but if you're worried about spoilers for this skip ahead a minute but one of the guys that she is in a relationship with um ends up dying a tragic death and she is put on trial for his murder essentially. So it kind of, oh. it's kind of this, it's a, it's a, it's like a romance movie. Like I said, I'm not necessarily in the de demographic for this film, but there's a couple layers of things going on that really held my interest. And I thought it was actually really good. Um, the movie's based off of a book. So there's a lot of sort of, uh, you know, it's kind of like a lot of movies based off books where there's that cool level of just like, the main character has a voiceover through the whole thing. And a lot of that stuff is pretty well written, but um, yeah, I don't know. It's, I thought it was really satisfying overall. My one gripe is there's one moment. I'm not going to say when, but there's a moment later on in the movie. There's a moment that caught me by surprise and kind of had a weird tone to it that I didn't expect. And I'm on the fence, whether that moment ruined the aspects of the movie or made them better. And that's something I can leave at that super vague. If you watch the movie, you'll know exactly what I'm talking about. But <laughs> if not, I'll leave that super vague for people who don't want spoilers. But 
overall, definitely worth watching. It's on Netflix. It's a really unique movie. I think it's uh, it's 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 pretty good and it's shot pretty well too. So, Drew, I don't know if you have any thoughts on this movie. I don't know if you've seen it or I have not. Anything. Yeah, I have not seen it, so I don't really have a unfortunately a good. Um... <laughs> no, it's all good. <laughs> um, yeah, but um, other than that, I've literally watched like nothing this week. <laughs> so you can get into your big, exciting uh, reviews if you want. Well, I hope to get some more in because here's the thing. So not that it was in a not that was a uh, how do I want to word it uh, priority to watch these, but like. A Christmas Story Christmas dropped today. Um, the Santa Claus's television show started today. Um, <laughs> yeah, I did know. You know what I mean? Like, we're we're about to get a bunch of things. Like, Glass Onion drops on Netflix real soon here. Um, Enchanted, uh, the new uh, Enchanted or Disenchanted drops on Disney Plus tomorrow. Like, we're getting a lot of the winter time. Like, here you go, but it's holidays, so the, like people are gonna be home. They're gonna be hanging out. Let's watch all this stuff and it's going to start dropping. So there's going to be a lot of reviews coming out here. Soon. There is there is a level of me going like, what are they wanting us to do? Like <laughs> these entertainment companies don't want us to have a life. They want us stuck inside watching all this stuff. And I know it's been that way. And for that years. is why we have a podcast where we can talk about it. <laughs> <laughs> no, absolutely. I know it's been that way for years, but it's just the last couple months. It's just been a bombardment of like must watch TV shows. And However, uh, um, yeah. <laughs> However, we do keep getting scares about, you know, the flu, like the, this triple demic that's going on in the news. Oh, Lord. <laughs> so, you know, we, you know, with RSV and, you know, like crazy stuff like that, like, you know, why not? Like nobody go outside anymore. Just hang out and watch good stuff. Um, <laughs> I don't know if I'm on board with that old statement. <laughs> like, I'm not hoping for another lockdown. Um I'll like I'll make my time to watch the uh, Santa Claus TV show, but I'm not hoping that uh, we lock oh, yeah, I'm not, down again for it. <laughs> I'm not freaking out about it. Um, but I just was like, wow, there's a lot hitting all at once. Um, yeah. All right. So before I hit the big one, I did watch uh, some more Andor. Um, Andor is I mean, it continues to be good television. My complaints about it being too slow are going to stand still for a while. I haven't watched this week's episode yet, but I will say that there's three episodes that land back to back, um, back to back to back, right in the middle. It's um, episodes eight, nine, ten that, in my opinion, could probably have been like an episode and a half. They really probably could have condensed them down. Um, I don't want to criticize this show. I just... There's parts of this just it just doesn't feel like Star Wars and it really bothers me because I want it to be amazing. But the way the Internet talks about it is if I'm missing out on like like there's something I'm missing. Like that's how I feel. It's weird. Um, but I'm we only got two more episodes left till the season's over. And I feel like they've definitely built to something really cool. Um, my so. my goal has got to be to catch up to this by the finale. <laughs> Because I'm way behind. But the the problem is I keep hearing from people it's slow. And that's like, I'm behind, but then I'm just like, yeah, I got to catch up, but then I'm just not motivated because I know it's going to be a slow watch. Right. And, so and I'm not trying to not motivate you. That's the other problem. 
<laughs> well, it's it's not just coming from you. Like I've heard mixed stuff from different people. So, sure. but uh, it's good to hear that it's good. And uh, hearing that some of the episodes could be condensed down, maybe somebody will do like an Andor abridged uh, YouTube ev- edit of it or something. There like might that. already be that. Um. <laughs> I don't know if you've seen any of the, like, uh, like they have, like, Dragon Ball Z abridged or, uh, mm. like, Cowboy Bebop. They do it with a lot of anime where uh, they basically redo the voiceover and make every episode, like, five minutes long. So you can just watch through a series really fast, but they turn it into, like, a ridiculous parody comedy show <laughs> instead. Right. And those are pretty entertaining. I've watched a handful of the Dragon Ball Z ones, and they're super hilarious. But, uh, yeah, uh, best way to catch up on anime series. Just kidding. But anyways, go on. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, anyway, what I did watch this weekend, which was massive, was I went and saw Black Panther Wakanda Forever. Absolutely. <laughs> um, okay, so here's my review. This movie, I'm probably going to give it a, I'm going to say like an 8 out of 10. Um, My quibbles with the movie are very minor. Um, I had read a long time ago that this movie was supposed to deal heavily with the blip and the fallout of what happened in Endgame. And then when Chadwick Boseman passed away, they had to like reconfigure the entire movie. So because of that, the movie as a whole was very self-contained and not as much big picture Marvel as I think at this point in the, like, it's kind of like the first one. So like when you think about how they've done a lot of the sequels in the Marvel universe is you have your first one's your origin story. And then your second one is a little bit more connected. This one, the first one was, very origin story. This one was like more of that, but it wasn't as bigger picture Marvel universe as I think I was expecting it to be. Um, so, and I know that they had to rework it all because of Chadwick Boseman's passing. Um, the opening of the movie was gorgeous and very emotional. Um, the ending of the movie was gorgeous and very emotional. And like, it's because of the Chadwick Boseman passing away stuff. Um, the, New Black Panther, um, I think the majority of us who are paying attention to what's going on, and I'm not talking about the average moviegoer, I'm talking about like the people like you and me who read comic books, talk about this every week, have our theories and opinions and ideas about where this is going. I'm pretty sure that anyone from our uh, level of fandom, if you have a guess of who the new Black Panther is, you're most likely correct. I don't think there's anyone who didn't. I hope that I don't think there's anyone who didn't see it coming. I just don't want to say it out loud because if you, you're not with me, then you, I'm spoiling it for you. <laughs> That's so funny because you watch the trailers for this movie and you see the Black Panther suit reveal. And every time I've watched it, I've there's never been a question in my mind of who that was. But right. I could see like people not in the know watching it and just being like oh, I wonder who that's going to be. But that's really funny. I never, never thought of it that way. It's just like, oh, yep, that's who it is. So <laughs> Yeah, you know, and it's something we talked about a long, like back when Chadwick Boseman passed away and yeah. they were talking about having to replace Black Panther and we're like, well, it could only be this one person. <laughs> right. Yeah. Um. So if you, if you have an idea in your mind, you're probably right, but I just don't want to spoil it for the sake of the reveal. Um. But let's talk about Namor. 
okay? Because when you watch this movie, um, you're getting more Wakanda, you're getting more cool Black Panther, you're getting more vibranium tech stuff, you're getting, do you know what I mean? You're getting just yeah. more of that. Well, let's talk about Namor, because I think he's the big new piece of this. Yeah. Um, I think they handled Namor really, really well. Um, the, yeah, they handled Namor great. The underwater stuff they did with him, uh, was pretty cool. Um, and the only reason I compare, the only reason I say that is because my mind was comparing it a little bit to Aquaman because we just spent a whole movie with Aquaman and you're just like, well, Marvel, here you go. Ocean time. What do you got? Um, (laughs) well, I'm going to ask for a spoiler. Do they talk underwater or how is that handled? Um, it's or does handled, that even come up? <laughs> it's handled interestingly. Okay. Um, I don't, yeah, it's handled interestingly. Um, I think, I don't know how, I saw some interesting online stuff where like, what do you like better, uh, Atlantis from Aquaman or, and I cannot remember the, I don't remember how to pronounce the name of Namor's city. Um, yeah. But the question is, is which did you think was represented better? I think they were both represented really, really well. Uh, visually, I think Atlantis is a little more stunning. Um, but Marvel was going for a different, like, visual route, if you will. So, um, right on. The um, some of Namor's uh, cronies were really cool. Like Namora uh, was, she was represented really well, and I thought they handled her character really well. And then um, Atuma. I there was a moment in the theater. I was like, is that a Tuma? And I was trying to figure it out in my mind. I'm like, that has to be a Tuma. And then they said it in dialogue. I'm like, oh, awesome. You know, like (laughs) and they handled him really well. Um, And then uh, the other thing was the wings on Namor's ankles. Um, I I don't know. Now, for me, Namor was always like a side character, like he's a supporting role character. I never really read Namor comics. It was always like you're reading an Avengers comic and then Namor's in it, yeah. or you're reading a Marvel event and Namor's in it. You know, um, the he has the wings on his ankles, and for some reason, I always thought they were part of like his shoes, like they were tech. I don't know if I ever thought of them being biological, and in the movie, yeah. they're biological. And I actually wondered, did they make the change to being biological the way in Tobey Maguire's Spider-Man, they made yeah. the webs biological? Um, and then I kind of did some digging. No, they're not in the in the book. They're biological and the movie. They're biological. So, yeah. um, hmm. but that was really cool. And watching him like. I'm going to use an anime term, I guess, but watching him air step in some of the combat was really fun <laughs> and really kind of clever. Um, because of what he could do with the wings on his ankles. Um, There's just cool visuals, man. Um, So overall, I was pleased. I thought it was cool seeing the backstory there. Um, And then the other one that was kind of a surprise was, it's in the trailer, so I'm not spoiling anything, is the Ironheart stuff. Um, Really, really cool segue, which to showing off some Ironheart stuff that we know will get paid off when we get closer to the Armor Wars, whatever that is, if it's a movie or a television show. Um, so, um, awesome. <laughs> but yeah, ultimately I give the movie like an eight out of 10 just cause I had a couple minor things, but I think they were more based on my expectations than anything. The movie is visually stunning. It is emotional. It's, it's everything you want. It's got all the right feels and all the right places. 
Um, it's definitely the next chapter of Marvel kind of moves us forward in the right direction. Um, yeah, if you're walking in expecting a Marvel movie, you're, you're getting a Marvel movie. Um, and then um, it's it is long, though. I will give you that. Um, it's a two and a, it's a two hour and 40 minute movie that feels like two hours and 40 minutes. Well, uh, so the, <laughs> the fight scenes did not feel very long. They felt pretty. Uh, um, they moved quick and they moved along and there were parts where I'm like, there's no way. But then there's. Then there was a point where I did look at my watch because I'm like, I feel like I've been here a while. <laughs> so, and I don't normally do that in movies, but I'm like, I really feel like this movie is going longer than they say it is. <laughs> so. Right. Well, so um, the length of the movie, the people I I've talked to have, who have seen it, that's the biggest feedback that I've gotten is, oh, oh, it's really long. But hearing everything you've said about it makes me a lot more excited. Like, I'm glad to hear that it's a solid movie and uh, the fact that the action moves fast and stuff that all sounds awesome i also think that this is going to sound bad but and i think this i feel like the covid pandemic factors into this but man infinity war and endgame like that was like four years ago you know and like yeah. the idea of like black panther 2 focusing more on the blip after we've had um didn't like far from home focus a lot on the blip and uh, some of the other MCU movies. And I'm kind of just ready to move on to the next thing. Like I'm ready for Ant-Man three to come out so we can move on to like the next big villain and story arc. You know what I mean? And well, so, I, well, go ahead, go ahead. To say that you're like, wow, that happened so long ago. I'm ready to move on from that event. That event might've had enough repercussions <laughs> to move us towards what's going on with Kang and what's coming. So knowing so that, that knowing that they were going to do something blip related, but they had to reconfigure the movie and then Black Panther got moved back because they had to reconfigure the movie. It was probably supposed to release closer to Endgame. That, that, that's that's fair enough. I just I guess like I, I feel like I don't want to linger on the blip anymore because I feel like it has sure. been mentioned in so many MCU shows and movies so far. So I'm ready to move forward. But I do kind of think it's cool because of how big of like a cultural force like Black Panther is like forget the MCU the first Black Panther movie left such a mark on pop culture just alone and I think it's kind of cool that the sequel it sounds like is pretty it kind of stands on its own in a way it's from what you're saying that's what I'm kind of getting from it oh. and I think that's probably a good thing because then you can have the Black Panther movies that have you know, fill their own corner of the MCU, but they can also stand on their own if needed, which yeah. I personally think is kind of a cool thing, if that makes well, sense. So. And I want the movies to stand on their own, too. But, you know, we are so far into the MCU that sometimes you want the isolated story, but you do want those nuggets enough to go to the bigger picture. Right. I will say there's a big surprise in the movie. Well, how about this? I don't know if it's a big surprise, but it was a big surprise to me and made me really excited about a specific character. Um, Frost Beast from Thor the Dark World? <laughs> no, unfortunately not. <laughs> no, this, um, this uh, it's a character that we know we've met within the Phase 4 era, and um, it made me excited to see this character. And I saw some interesting tweets that said this character is quickly becoming my least favorite Marvel character. 
And I'm looking, I'm like looking at the tweet going, what are you talking about? This character is becoming one of my favorite Marvel characters. Right now. <laughs> um, <laughs> nice. So, uh, yeah, this character, how about this? To not spoil it too badly, this character has a lot of names. Um, and it was just a lot of fun to see that person show up and just chew the scenery for a little while. And it made me really curious as to what this individual is up to going forward into the bigger picture. <laughs> Is there is there a Y in their name and it's not where you expect it to be? Uh, no, it is not Madison. Oh, okay, okay. <laughs> <laughs> when you said the least favorite character thing, that's where I was like, it couldn't be Madison, could it be? But uh, no, that sounds awesome. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. All right. Anyway. Um, let's talk some news because that's really all I got for reviews. So. Okay, uh, cool. All right, so there's a few quick ones, and then we'll move on. So first off, let's talk about this. Um, are you ready to move into next year in terms of movies? Because we're getting close to the end of the year, so we're moving into 2023. Do you want to hear the full lineup? This is just movies. Yeah, as long as it doesn't uh, doesn't involve the blip, I'm good. To yeah. Go. <laughs> okay. For the, okay, there are no television shows listed here but this is what okay, we get to cool. look for in 2023 transformers uh rise of the beasts dungeons and dragons shazam nice. shazam john wick 4 the flash creed 3 dune part 2 mission impossible dead reckoning part 1 ant-man and the wasp quantum mania guardians of the galaxy volume 3 a quiet place whatever the spinoff is uh super mario brothers movie Spider-Man, Into the Spider-Verse, Part 1, Aquaman, Little Mermaid, Oppenheimer, Indiana Jones 5, The Marvels, The Be uh, Hunger Games, Ballad of the Song Girl, Song Ballad of Songbirds and Snakes, Ballad of Songbirds and Snakes, Evil Dead Rise, Blue Beetle, Fast Five, Barbie, and Wonka. Awesome. And that is, I think, and I honestly think based on what we, how we know the years pan out, that's like the tip of the iceberg. <laughs> so, um, I was like, when I was looking at that list, I was like, are you kidding me? So, <laughs> well, what's, what's cool to me is I feel like this past year, there's been a lot of stuff that came out and I feel like so much of it was stuff that was delayed because of COVID. And I feel sure. like this, I feel like this new lineup is just it's more just a telling of like this nerdy pop culture comic book centric stuff that we all love is still going strong. And this isn't just a stacked lineup because it's a bunch of delayed product projects. This is just like picking up where we left off and just going on strong. And uh, yeah, I think that's awesome. Um, there's certain movies that you mentioned I'm more excited for than others, but our wallets are all going to be hurting next year. And uh, yeah, it sounds pretty amazing so <laughs> are always hurting when it comes to watching stuff um yeah i actually listened to someone told me that they don't like superhero movies because they can't get behind how fantastical and unrealistic they are and um they are like i just think it's dumb that these movies even exist and all that stuff and my response to that was well to each his own however the superhero movies just saved the cinema and we wouldn't have movie theaters if the superhero movies didn't exist right now because superhero movies saved the existence of movies through COVID. And that's all I'll say to that. So they might be saving you in your fantasies, but 
they're saving us at the movie theater at the same time. So, absolutely. <laughs> um, all right, moving on. Britney Spears has been uh, approached to do a potential biopic, which she shut down. Um, okay. And her response saying, "Dude, I'm not dead." Um, I hear you. <laughs> I don't think uh, I'm ready for a Britney Spears biopic right now. We don't have a bot Madonna biopic. We're not getting a Britney Spears biopic. <laughs> so, um, yeah, I think I, I this might be controversial, but I think like the best kind of biopics are the ones that can leave you in a place of hope at the end and a place sure. that and I feel like the story of Britney Spears, I don't think it's over. I think she's in a very. Oh. Neither do I. Rocky place in her life. Um, and I feel like give it like 10 years and you might have that happy ending. That'll be perfect for a biopic. But I think like with her conservatorship, with her situation, with her family and stuff, I feel like now just isn't the time. And I don't know if I'm ruffling any feathers saying that. I just everything I hear about her, it's just like I'm pretty sure Brittany listens to our show. So, <laughs> well, hopefully and like. I like, honestly, yeah, honestly, like <laughs> that would be awesome. But I just knowing everything that's going on in her personal life, I feel like now isn't even the time to approach her yeah. about a biopic. Like it just seems very tone deaf to even. I know. Try I thought, to do that's why right I now. thought it was weird. Um, yeah. All right. Um, all right. Okay, moving on. We have we got a bunch of DC stuff again because James Gunn is just making all kinds of waves. So right, <laughs> uh, we're gonna talk. Um, the house from a Christmas story is for sale. I don't know if you feel like buying it, but it is up for sale. Um, it's been well preserved, and the Bumpus house next door to it is also for sale. <laughs> uh, Does it come with the lamp? It does, actually. Um, oh, dang. Okay. That is the one thing. The leg lamp actually comes with the house. That's awesome. Um, all right. Margot Robbie's Pirates of the Caribbean movie is canceled. I heard about that. Well, not only that, but we sometimes you and I talk about stuff on here, and then we don't get a chance to talk about it again for years down the road. I honestly don't remember talking about Margot Robbie having her own Pirates of the Caribbean movie. Really? <laughs> No, I don't. It's one of those. I remember talking about it. It's one of those things that sat in the back of my mind, but it's been a while. Um, yeah, I don't know. I, th I think it, it might be a good thing because I feel like she's most well known. Like she's played some amazing roles, but I feel like everybody knows her as Harley Quinn. And uh, similar to Captain Jack Sparrow, like does she want to end up being like the female Johnny Depp where every single role is some like really zany off the wall character. Cause I think she has like, like she's an amazing actress. So almost like it might be best for her to like play some like serious roles and then do another zany one down the line. That's yeah. me. Uh, you know, what, what do they call it? Like uh, Monday quarterbacking. I don't know what I'm doing. <laughs> Backseat driving this or however yeah. you want to phrase it. <laughs> I got you. Well, I don't, it's interesting and I don't really know. I just I honestly was like, wow, did I know this was happening? Um, the one of the reasons they're saying is due to a lack of interest from Disney. Well, Disney, I think, is might be looking at Johnny Depp right now to say you interested. Oh, good call. Back. You know what I mean? Or they might be trying to. Um, I think the I, the fate of that franchise is a little up in the air at the moment. So. Uh, no, absolutely. All right. Um, 
Silk, Spider Society, live action TV series, heads to Prime Video with Spider-Verse Team. Um, Angela Kang, who served as showrunner on The Walking Dead, will head the live action series Silk, Spider Society, which also sees Spider-Verse alum Phil Lord and Chris Miller and Amy Pascal as executive producers. So the Silk television series that is going to be in conjunction with all the Spider-Verse stuff is heading to Amazon Prime. I found this. Uh, Go ahead. No, sounds awesome. I just didn't know this was even a thing. <laughs> well, I, we don't know the full scope of what the Spider-Verse plan is. And with Sony and Disney playing nice about who's using what characters and when and how they're sharing the Spider-Man stuff, I just was surprised to hear this was going to Prime because I don't know what that, like, who has contracts for what? You know, like that the Spider-Man contract for film film rights for the Spider-Man contract are crazy scattered. And like I thought it was all Sony and I thought Sony had some interesting deal with Netflix, but it sounds like they don't. And they have some other deal with Amazon. I just thought it was interesting. Um, We're going to see how this plays out. But um, I'm down because I just, you know, more Spider-Verse stuff is kind of cool. I just hope it doesn't come confusing in the realm of like, well, now I got to go watch Silk. Where do I find that? It's not here with all the other superheroes. (laughs) Oh, it's on. Oh, it's okay. I'll jump over, you know. (laughs) It absolutely is. For some reason, I thought um, all the Sony stuff was going to go on Netflix. But uh, I don't know. It's all just a uh, cluster situation so yeah yeah <laughs> we'll see how this shakes out all right one more out um side story and then it's all dc um bioshock bioshock movie uh director francis lawrence who he directed uh the original hunger games and i think he directed the first two actually um but he did a lot of he's done a lot of work with um jennifer lawrence and uh he also directed um red sparrow Uh, Director Francis Lawrence explained how Netflix has given him free reign to tackle the movie as he sees fit. And that means working alongside the game creator. Francis Lawrence says the Bioshock movie will be really true to the game itself. Um, I fell in love with the first Bioshock game. Absolutely fell in love with it. Um, And it was such a unique gaming experience that... um, had me really excited when they decided they were going to do the movie. Um, we all know the fate of video game movies, and they always they don't always turn out the best. So I really have some high expectations if he's going to treat the source material at that level of like importance. Um, so I'm no, excited ab- to see how I I'm just excited for it. So absolutely, I think. Um, well, I think you look at the Hunger Games, which I haven't read the book books but from everybody i've talked to who has read the books it seems that the movies were a decent adaptation from everything i've heard and uh, so you they were yeah and so you have um this director who has a good track rec- record there but also my favorite part of the story is him just saying this is going to be closely based off the game and i think that is so refreshing to hear because so many movies and adaptations nowadays you always hear these writers and directors saying well we're going to take a different approach to this so we're going to do a dark futuristic approach and you're like but this series is a happy-go-lucky medieval tale like what are you talking about and it's kind of really cool to hear somebody just saying like we're going to do this right and uh 
whether or not that happens, you know, we'll have to wait and see. But I personally think it's refreshing to see a director just saying like, no, we're going to take the source material uh, seriously, kind of like how you were yeah. just saying just now. So, yeah. Um, yeah, it's just it's exciting stuff. So let's uh, let's just hope that they get this one right. Um, and uh, so, Francis Lawrence, would you so kindly um, get this done correctly for us? That'd be great. Um, I don't know if you know Bioshock well, but if you saw what I did there in my uh, line of dialogue, um, <laughs> that's that was the big that was the big thing at the end of the game when you found out because the guy who was he was talking to you on the loudspeaker the whole time like would you kindly would you kindly would you kindly that was like his like repeat catchphrase and then you found out how malicious that phrase is when you get later into the game you're just like oh my god I've been doing all this stuff like yeah nice <laughs> uh, it was a really cool psychological twist. Um, all right, so let's talk about James Gunn, who is just blowing up the DC universe right now and creating this whole big thing that's making us really excited. James Gunn went to Twitter and said, I want to know what DC characters you all would like to see in the movies. Awesome. <laughs> and um, so, like, tons of people responded. Many of them said Batmite. Um <laughs> If you're gonna have I, anyone, if you're gonna have anyone tackle Batmite, it's James Gunn. Um, I wouldn't be. I bet he's gonna do it. I don't know that it's gonna happen in a Batman movie, but I feel like he'll work Batman Batmite in there somewhere. Sure, sure. Well, I don't know if I want to see Batmite on the silver screen, but <laughs> um, if anyone's gonna do it, James Gunn's gonna get it right. <laughs> yes, um, absolutely. Uh, let's see. James Gunn teased Mister Terrific. Um, and uh, I am I'm not the biggest Mr. Terrific fan, <laughs> but I'm also down for like I'm, a, I'm just down for more DC and I'm down for whatever this plan is, because they're they, they're saying a lot of the really, really good stuff. doesn't matter if I'm a fan of the character or not. I'm just not that big of a he would he was always one of the lower characters in my book. Like I was always like, nah, it's Mr. Terrific. But. Hey, that doesn't mean anything. They could do something absolutely amazing, and whatever the Mister Terrific thing they do could be the greatest thing ever. So, <laughs> I think I think this is James Gunn doing what he does best, where it's like he picks like a random character out of obscurity, and you're just like, yeah, I don't think this is gonna really work. And then you see the movie, and like, oh no, that was awesome. Like he totally did that character justice and found a way to make him like super likable to everybody. So. I, yeah. I mean, I feel like Mr. Terrific, as well as a lot of other obscure DC characters, are probably in good hands with him. And I just think that's awesome. So, yeah. Um, David Zaslav uh, confirms that the DC Universe won't have multiple Batmans. Um, he says, I think over the next few years, you're going to see a lot of growth and opportunity around DC. There's not going to be four Batmans. Um well, we have a Flash movie that's about to have multiple Batmans in it uh, because of the Flashpoint stuff. I'm all right with that. But I'm also all right with that movie kind of solidifying and setting up for who is going to be the actual Batman. Um, it could be Robert Pattinson going forward. We could get some more Ben Affleck stuff, and then that'll be the Batman, which could lead us to Batman Beyond and other things. We don't know. Uh, yeah. So let's see what plays out. But I'm totally down with them going, hey, this is going to be the Batman for the said universe. Absolutely. Uh, I think that's awesome. There is a rumor. Um, actor George Lopez 
revealed to the Byron Scott podcast that Batman may be in Blue Beetle. Um, his quote directly says, I think Batman's in our movie. Um, <laughs> I don't know what to say to that because it, I think it's weird that George Lopez is the one bringing it up um, and breaking the mold on that one. But if Batman's got a cameo in Blue Beetle, that could be pretty cool because we've already heard he's got a cameo in Aquaman. We got we know he's in Flash. If he's going to be in Blue Beetle, it's just like building that. like It's that Nick Fury stuff where it's like dropping him in where we need him, you know, so. Yeah, that's that would be pretty cool if Batman's like the Nick Fury of the uh, DCU. But I think uh, I don't know, Batman. It's kind of cool that they're only doing one Batman because for this DC universe, because that's just a level of cohesion that I've wanted. But like Batman is such a popular character that it would make sense that they would want to get whoever their final Batman they go with is they're going to want to get as many appearances of that character as possible. So I wouldn't be surprised, but yeah, that's really interesting. And uh, yeah, I didn't even know George Lopez was in, <laughs> like he's in Blue Beetle. I guess I didn't even I, realize I that. Guess. Oh, and I didn't realize it either, but I was like, George Lopez is Batman's in Blue Beetle? What's I wonder this? if he's like uh, Jaime Reyes' father or something in the ooh, series or ooh. something like that. Interesting call. Um, there's also a rumor, again, rumor that Zack Snyder has agreed to deal with Warner Brothers has agreed to a deal with Warner Brothers Discovery for a future DC project. All right. Um, so it was either last week or the week before we had that uh, story about um, James Gunn, Peter Safran, and David Zaslav having lunch with Christopher Nolan and Steven Spielberg. The idea was that they were talking about the DC stuff, which would make sense given the news we've got all recently. Here's what I can tell you. Christopher Nolan was an executive. Yes, he directed the Dark Knight trilogy, but he was an executive producer on Man of Steel, Batman versus Superman and the Snyder Cut Justice League. He's also the one that defended Zack Snyder and told Zack Snyder not to watch the Whedon Cut and help produce and finish the Snyder Cut that we did get released. So um, Christopher Nolan's been in Zack Snyder's corner this whole time. So if they had a meeting with Zack, with Christopher Nolan, there's a chance he said, you got to let Zack finish this. And they're looking at Man of Steel, too. That's my theory. Um, who knows? Especially if they got Henry back. Come on. <laughs> you know, like. just Absolutely. Like, and if like if they do bring Zack Snyder back, that would be so awesome. And you can think about like the Snyder cut and how we got a glimpse of like, uh, like Martian Manhunter, for example, at the very end, like what if Martian Man Manhunter has a cameo in man of steel too, or something like there's so right. many possibilities that we all want to see that have just been lingering from the Snyder cut. And so, uh, no, that's, that's awesome. Well, and I also heard that, that at the end of Snyder cut was supposed to be green lantern, but, yep. um, that's you, that that was the old execs screwing over Zack Snyder because like, no, we got plans for Green Lantern. You can't use that character. So he did something different, which is fine. But you're just like, no, 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 no. At this point, Zack Snyder can do whatever he wants, <laughs> you know. Um, Absolutely. So, all right. Um, <laughs> I was I was pretty happy to see Martian Manhunter in there, though, to be right. honest. But uh, um, no, keep going. Amy Adams expressed excitement over at Henry Cavill's return as Superman. 
um, and says she would be she would return as Lois Lane in new Superman films. However, she has not been approached by the studio yet. I, I think so. she's got to be if they're going to bring Henry back, they're going to bring her. And back. that's what I was thinking. I'm like, look, they don't like Henry is Henry probably had like he had probably the biggest negotiating room than any actor <laughs> ever. Yeah. Like, if you're bringing me back, dude, here's what I want. <laughs> like, And it's not just back the trucks up with the money. It's I need my Lois Lane. I need my director. I need Man of Steel 2, 3, Justice League 2, 3. Like, you know, like he's getting he's getting everything out of this. Um, all right. Two more things. Um, Constantine 2 will be a real rated R movie says director. My big regret about Constantine <laughs> was that we had we have a rated R movie that's actually a PG-13 movie. Um, the idea Constantine was PG-13? Constantine was PG-13. <laughs> wow. Uh, <laughs> I didn't so, realize that. So, um so again, um and here you go. Francis Lawrence directed the first Constantine movie. Um he said his biggest regret was that we had an R-rated movie that really was a PG-13 movie. The idea is this time, at least for me, is to really go at it and make a real rated R Constantine, which is, I think, what people always wanted originally, not the PG-13 version that just happens to get an R. Um, so I am totally happy for that, and I can't wait to see Constantine battle some demons. So, Yeah, yeah. absolutely. And it makes me kind of want to rewatch <laughs> the original Constantine movie because I liked Keanu Reeves in it. And then I really got sold on Matt Ryan in the Arrow versus Constantine, but it never really got as dark as the Keanu Reeves movie got, you know? Yeah, absolutely. No, Constantine is like, I would like to watch that again, too. It's one of those movies that I feel like every five years I'll just sit down and rewatch, but it's been a while for me. But it's a great film, and I just remember... When that movie came out, I just remember so many like I was in high school and so so many of my classmates got super into that and stuff. And uh, it's going to be awesome when this new one eventually right. comes out. So. Right. All right. So quick quote two quote, yeah, two quick quotes from James Gunn and Peter Safran, because they're mapping out this eight year plan for the DCU. Um, and then we'll move on to our list for the night. So Peter Safran says this was such a unique opportunity to tell one great overarching story across film, television, gaming, live action and animation. OK, and then James nice. Gunn and then James Gunn said the following. The opportunity to make D.C. as great as it can be and as it should be. That is the reason why I'm doing this job, because I know that Peter and I can do that. We spent the past couple of days with a group of some of the best writers thinkers in the industry um, and starting to map out that eight to 10 year plan of what is going to look like in theater and TV and animation across the board for these characters. So nice. Look, they're saying all the right stuff. I can't wait to see what they turn out. And that's really all I can say at this point until we see the first stuff. So, yeah, it's, it's really hard to even comment on that, but, uh, I guess the exciting thing is they said, what did they say? TV, movies and video games. Like, it sounds like there's going to be a lot of cohesive uh, parts in various media that play into this big DC universe that we're moving forward with. But I don't know. I am I'm pretty stoked and I'm hoping that everything turns out really well, because 
I feel like it's been a while on our podcast. We've just been saying like, we want that cohesive vision from DC. We like, we enjoy all the DC movies, but we want it to feel like this cohesive shared universe. And it sounds like we're finally moving in that direction. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So let's see, man. I'm look, they're saying all the right stuff. I'm excited. I can't wait for, to see how it plays out. And that's really all we're going to be sitting there. So yep. we're going to get <laughs> four movies that are coming out that are technically part of the old exec stuff, which is that going to roll into what's coming? We'll find out, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, all right. You ready to talk about tonight's list? Cause that kind of brings us to the end of the news. So <laughs> totally. <laughs> Perfect. All right, everybody, it is list time, so we're going to roll the thing and be right back. And now for the top five. All right, Peter, this was your list. Yeah. And I think I did it wrong. And why don't you <laughs> why don't you explain to everybody what we're talking about tonight? <laughs> so this list is a list where you put together if budget was not a concern at all, if you had all the money to spend, what sort of collectibles, movie props, hard to find things would you put together or would you use for your own personal collection at home you know what would you decorate your house with okay and uh i did it right okay cool (laughs) so i and i really thought of this list because i haven't watched it yet still but uh guillermo del toro has a uh, new series that just came out on netflix and i think it's like a horror anthology thing but guillermo del toro is such a cool personality and i was thinking of just like following him on social media and stuff and every once in a while you'll see like a picture of the inside of Guillermo del Toro's house. And he lives in this like intricate, like old school, like almost like Adam's family looking like luxurious mansion of a house. And it's filled with like all sorts of like pop cultural pop culture memorabilia and artifacts. Like it's one of those things where it's like, he'll have like Japanese designers toys, but then it'll be next to like, Uh, one of like his Hellboy movie props. And then that'll be next to like some other crazy, like bit of like old school sci-fi memorabilia. And it's just like, if you ever get the chance or if you just want to take the spare moment, like look up just pictures of Guillermo del Toro's like personal at home collection. Cause he's got a lot of cool stuff, but it was, it was really making me think like if I could have a collection like that, what are the top five things I would want in my collection? And, uh, because money is no object with this list, you can literally pick actual movie props. You could be like, well, I actually want to have the actual outfit worn by this character in this movie, and I want that on display in my house, or I want this actual sword or something from a a different movie. And uh, I just think it's a fun thing to put together. I think almost all of mine are uh, movie, like actual movie props and stuff, but... uh, yeah, that's uh that's the list. <laughs> yeah, and uh, mine kind of fall into the same realm. Um, yeah, mine stayed to screen. Uh, but no, I thought I was doing it wrong, and then I was like, "Well, I'm gonna go with what I'm writing down." But clearly, after you like, explained a little bit more, no, I'm with you. I got it. Yeah. <laughs> um, I do only have one honorable mention. Okay. Um, I don't know about you. 
I ha- I have two. All right, so you got to go first then, even though it's your list. Well, so the thing is, if I'm gonna have like actual movie props and stuff that I'm gonna assemble for like my at home collection, you know I'm gonna get some swords. And uh, <laughs> for my first pick, I actually went with uh, Anigo Montoya's sword from. Uh, the princess bride i just think that'd be awesome to own one thing i can say about my list is i did no i did no research on where any of these uh movie props or anything actually is i don't know if these are things that were destroyed or if anybody open owns it but in the perfect world if i could own like an actual screen used Inigo Montoya sword, that would be badass. So that's my first honorable mention. You know what I love about um, those swords? Like, it's the rapier-style sword. Yeah. I always really liked the hilt. And, like, yes. and like I know the, th- and the thin blade. I know the thin blade does not, like, really stand up when you look at, um, like... Cloud's Buster Sword or like John Sword Longclaw from Game of Thrones or like Ice from Game of Thrones or like the Braveheart Sword or stuff like that, like in terms of like the thick, powerful stuff. But I always liked that rapier style. I always thought it was a really, really cool style sword. Um, so, yeah, I totally hear you, man. Those are those swords are awesome. Um, Absolutely. Yeah. And then the same. And that's one of the reasons why I think and that's and that's one of the reasons why I think the fencing in like the Three Musketeers movie is so cool because of the style of swords there. They can move fast and like they, they look good on screen. Yep. Yeah. And they're, they're uh, rapiers like they're they're not as big and bulky and necessarily as powerful as certain swords, but they're made for that quick stabbing motion. They're made to, you know, stab to kill your opponent fast. And uh, yeah, it's it's a different fighting style, but it's one of my favorites as well. So, yeah. Um, OK, my my honorable mention. And this is honestly like, yeah, I know unlimited money which means i'd have a big house so yes i know where to put it because i literally was like this is only making an honorable mention because i don't know where to put it uh, <laughs> um but it's the stargate if i could have like <laughs> oh just, that's such a good call <laughs> it's a stargate like we're gonna we're gonna put a stargate like does it sit in the garage does it sit in like the living room does it like do i have a do i have a room where this there's a stargate in my basement like it's just i'm gonna have a stargate <laughs> so, okay i'm gonna one-up you i don't know what your thoughts are here but you could turn that Stargate sideways and have a Stargate pool and or hot tub. <laughs> that could be pretty awesome. That would be that would look so cool from like an aerial view. That'd be yes. <laughs> and then have like, you know, at night you have the pool light up. So it just looks yeah. exactly like a Stargate. I don't know if you'd want to actually use like a screen used, you know, set piece for that. But that's or have that's it like a dream or right have there. it like or have it like crafted. Yeah, I totally. Hear yeah. That. Um, no that's an awesome call or even like as an entryway to like your house or like who knows that could be like your garage door is like a stargate or something (laughs) like there's so many possibilities i didn't even think of that that's awesome though yeah um so what are you uh what's your next what's your next honorable mention yeah so my next pick is another sword Um, I thought it would be cool. So here's my idea. is, And it's funny because I said Cloud's Buster Sword, which means that's the next one you want. So No, that would be awesome, though. Um, so my thoughts are I'm going to have a fireplace and I'm going to have two swords in that X shape above it because that's always the coolest thing. And I chose two swords that are probably roughly 
dimensionally similar. You know, I'm not going to so have. Now you're going to go with you know the Dread Pirate Robert Sword. That's the next one. You're <laughs> no, that'd be cool. I actually, what I was going to say is like they're closer in size than like the Buster Sword compared to Nigo Montoya, but definitely not the same style at all. Because I thought it would be really cool to have a. Uh, Beatrix Kiddo's sword from oh, wow. um, Kill Bill, like the Hitori Hanzo, like the screen used actual sword. That would be awesome. Um, part of this is because like one, I love the movie. It's an awesome sword. It just looks badass. But another part of it is actually a little bit more personal. Um, my buddy, uh, Matt Roth, who was on the show a while back, he did. Uh, he's done some independent movies like The Man Who Collected Food and Five yeah. Piece, which we talked about on the show. But me and him in high school, we did a couple like goofy, like short films and stuff. And he had a Kill Bill replica sword. <laughs> so I've kind of got like a weird attachment to that because of like some of the inside jokes we have around that sword specifically. So it's one, I love the movie, love the sword, but also I have those like personal inside jokes with it. So I just think it'd be cool. Um, yeah. So that's my next pick. Right on. Um, all right, so we're moving into actual picks now. Right? Yes. Okay. So my first pick is Maverick's flight helmet. Oh, perfect. That's from awesome. Top Gun. Like I literally, I love that helmet. It's awesome. Um, it's an iconic helmet. It'd be cool. Like just having a glass case somewhere in your house. Someone's like, "Hey, is that Maverick's helmet?" <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> By the way, Peter and I talked about how we're going to be going through this list fast because this is just cool stuff we want in our house. Um, there's not a lot to really talk about it. As long as you've seen the movies or whatever, you're with us. So, absolutely. Uh, but yeah, Maverick's flight helmet. No, that that would be great. And that's that's one of those ones that you have to. It's awesome to have, but then again, how you display it, like there's probably like really clever placements you could put it in around your yeah. house and stuff. So that's the next uh, strategy, I guess. Yeah. Very similarly to uh, having a Stargate. <laughs> so, yep. Um. Okay, I can move into my next one unless you had more. No, not um, at all. That's why I said this list is going to go quick because of what we're talking about. Like, <laughs> hey, this is cool. I want it in my house. Like, <laughs> so, so, so I just picked two uh, swords from different movies, but the rest of my list actually it's all swords. No, <laughs> that would be awesome. I was tempted to do that. I think that would have been really funny. But no, the rest of my list it actually follows more of a comic book movie theme and. Uh, for some of my picks, one of the things that I thought is really cool is when you have those decorations in your house that are subtle. They're not let necessarily really loud and in your face, but it's one of those things like if you know, you know sort of things. And uh, that's the first pick that I'm going to mention is one of those because I want to have the scepter, the time traveling scepter from Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles 3. And if you've seen that movie, the turtles use this sort of ancient Japanese scepter. It actually kind of just looks like this old antique looking ornate like lamp that's on yeah. like a stick and they use that to time travel but the reason i picked this is like for one thing i love the live action ninja turtles movies this <laughs> ninja turtles 3 is not the best one of those but i when it comes to like a prop from one of those movies to have i feel like this is the perfect one because you can have that displayed in a corner of your house and most people are not going to even know what it is but then every once in a while you're going to run around like 
you're 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 gonna run into one of those you know millennial kids who grew up with Ninja Turtles who's like hell yeah that is so awesome and that's I think the subtlety of this specific pick is really what made me pick it and I just think it'd be awesome to have that scepter so there you go yeah no good call um I think that's funny because it's funny you're like the scepter from Ninja Turtles three. <laughs> <laughs> It's the way you said it. It's objectively the worst. Like, it's the worst out of the live action Ninja Turtles movies. Sure is. But it still is such a good prop. And you think, like, you have that, like, leaning in a corner of your house. Most people are just going to think it's some antique and they're not going to realize, like, what it is. So, yeah. Um, All right. Uh, So my next one is uh, from Indiana Jones. Uh. The Raiders of the Lost Ark, the fertility idol from the beginning of the movie. Perfect. Um, <laughs> so I really, I really played with this because I really was like, ooh, but the Grail Diary would be awesome. Um, but then on display, it would look like just a book. So, um, yeah, the fertility idol is just too cool of an option. The Raiders fertility idol would make a really awesome Lego set. So, hey, Lego, if you're listening, scoot a little closer to the mic. You should make that as a Lego set. I would totally buy it. Um, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Anyway. No, everything anyway. you said is true. And the fertility idol is the perfect, it's the perfect mantelpiece decoration. Like, and this is another one that it's, it's well known, but it's also subtle enough that not everybody would catch it right away. And that's pretty cool too. So, yeah, yeah. Um, all right. What's your next one? Yeah. So I actually went with, um, I would I want to have the mask from the movie The Mask. And I'm talking about like before Jim Carrey puts it on, like that sort of like that wooden, wooden like, mask. Yeah. Yep. And it has got like the metal sort of like nose piece that comes down. But it's that's another one of those things that's like everybody knows it, but I think you could put it on your wall and it wouldn't be super loud in your face. It would kind of like probably blend in with most living rooms or whatever but also like a really cool piece of pop culture and uh yeah i know it's it's just one of those fun things you could put out there and if people ask about it you could be like well i could show you but it's not nighttime right now so it wouldn't have the full effect and stuff like that so yeah 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 um no good call that's actually um i've seen the mask too many times to where the movie i don't find funny anymore um (laughs) like i've literally i've seen it so many times and I don't I don't know if it's just that memorable or I have seen it so many times, but it's like, yeah, this isn't funny anymore because of I know. I, it's like almost I like studied the movie. I don't know what it is like. I watched it a lot when I was in like junior high and high school when I came out. <laughs> anyway, I always thought yeah. the mask itself, that wooden piece, I always thought that looked really cool. So it looked really cool on like uh, some cool like pedestal, like stand, like prop. Absolutely. Up. Yeah. Like, like one of those old like African masks just kind of propped up and someone's like, what's that about? And you're like, why don't you try it on and find out? <laughs> you know? Well, I always loved when you go to like like when you're a kid and you go to like some like natural history museum or something. And in the gift shop, they've got like the wall of just like a ton of masks. And, you know, they all cost like hundreds of dollars, like these replica masks. But I always thought those looked so cool. And I was like, you know, as a kid, I'm like, someday I will have a wall of masks, you know. And, uh, you know, I guess this factors into that old childhood dream, you know. (laughs) Yeah. Wall of masks. Um, All right. So this next one is... um, a Batman suit. Um, 
and I don't know which one. I was having trouble with this a little bit, so I figured I'd talk it through and we'll see which one I put down. But honestly, having the Batman costume chamber somewhere in my house would be awesome. Like you'll like pull a notch on a bookcase and the bookcase slides open. You have a Batman costume hanging there. Um, When you think about how that looks on screen, like when you're watching the movies, uh, the Dark Knight trilogy, I always loved how that looked on screen, like in the Dark Knight Dark Knight Rises, the way they had it laid out with a couple batarangs, the way it's like placed out. But it almost looked so clinical that I wonder if like you had that as the suit hanging in your house, people might not necessarily recognize it right away because of how clinical it looked on screen. Right. Um, you have like the Ben Affleck suit, which looked awesome the way they had it set up. But I honestly think that the Michael Keaton suit would look the best just because it's the way they have it displayed on screen. Um, yeah. I don't know. Um, but a bat, a Batman costume chamber is what, you know. Okay. Uh, that's awesome. Did you, did, so did you select a, so are you going with the Michael Keaton? Basically, suit? but okay. I, so it's just the idea of the, even if it wasn't that suit, having the costume chamber for the sake of that suit. Makes yeah. <laughs> well, I think the, uh, I don't know. I think it's the way, Tim Burton set the stage for the suits in his movie, like just looked so good. Cause I just, I have this image in my head of like the Michael Keaton Batman suit being like, you know, lit from underneath and just like looking so badass, like yeah. displayed in a very, not to reuse your word, but clinical, like in a very clean orderly way, but still the way it's lit because it has, even though it's like a really straightforward clean cut image, it still has that, you know, extravagant, esoteric, like Tim Burton lighting and uh, shooting for it. I feel like it just seems really badass. And yeah, if you could have that suit displayed in the way that it was in like the first two Batman movies, that would be amazing. So yeah, good call. Um, all right, we'll do what's your next one. <laughs> so not on purpose, but I actually was going to go with the superhero suit as well, and uh, I was going to use it for my next pick, but uh, probably no surprise, I want to have the Man of Steel Superman suit somewhere in my house, and if I <laughs> if I had to display it anyway, it would probably be in a similar way it was displayed in Man of Steel when Clark finds the suit within the Kryptonian uh the Kryptonian ship where it's kind of like, you know, this like door opens in the wall and it's like floating there. And it's also lit from underneath from like a, you know, a light and stuff. And I don't know how, how I would necessarily display it where it was floating there, but I just think having that sort of like gray wall with like the Kryptonian door that opens with like the suit back there would be awesome. But I've, Mm -hmm. I've always loved the man of steel suit. This is the first, this is the only Superman suit since I was an extra on this movie on that movie, I actually was able to see the suit before it hit screen. And uh, from the first moment I saw that suit, I was just like, man, they knocked it out of the park. The suit looks so amazing. It looks like it looks really badass. It looks like Superman, but it also looks like they're not holding on to remnants of the past. Like they're not just giving him trunks because Superman wears trunks. They actually made some really smart decisions with the design and uh if you actually look into like behind the scenes stuff with man of steel they didn't give superman trunks from that movie because they were trying to make an alien looking suit they wanted it to feel from out of this world because 
wearing underwear over your tights feels like a very earthly sort of thing. And I think whether you like that or not, I do think there's some really cool choices they made in that regard. So <laughs> long story short or long story long, I should say, I really like the Man of Steel suit. I would love that to be displayed in my house. So that's my next pick. Yeah, no, I hear you. So we're deaf, <laughs> we're we're in sync on that one. Um, the next one should be a no brainer for the two of us. And if we didn't match, I'm kind of surprised. But honest, dude, the Iron Throne. Oh, good call. I did not pick this, but that is I, such a good call. I'm literally, Why I was, didn't I pick I'm that? staring at like all of my like movies and Blu-rays and everything. I'm like, the Iron Throne. Why is that? What? What? <laughs> yeah, if you're going to have, have something in your house, the Iron Throne, dude, even if you don't sit on it, because you don't want to like cut yourself like, you know, um, King Viserys. But, you know, um, <laughs> but yeah, dude, the Iron Throne, of course. So. The Iron Throne is awesome. I think a lot of my picks, I was trying to think of things that either were like easy to display or had like, like really good functionality. But I think the Iron Throne is so badass. And if money is of no object, you could build a giant like throne room in your house and then have the Iron Throne. Like, why not? That would be awesome you could have the best halloween parties and everybody could sit in their costume on there and i don't know it's so good that's such a good call so yeah so you you didn't pick the iron throne which no i, think I actually not. didn't anyway <laughs> clearly you've in never imagined yourself sitting on the iron throne <laughs> no i think if i was in game of thrones i would probably fill a role such as like hot pies or something where i'd just be like the guy who works at the local tavern or eatery but would still witness all the madness going on um yeah but <laughs> but yeah um so my next pick uh speaking of functionality we might we might match in a way on this drew but um if i can have unlimited budget i'm getting a batmobile like why not like i want to have a batmobile in my garage that i can use to drive around and it's just like a cool collection piece and uh this is one that it's probably going to be surprising but the one i think i would actually go with if i wanted a batmobile to actually drive around myself and stuff i think i would actually go with the 1966 adam west batmobile mm. and the biggest reason i picked that because it is probably the goofiest looking batmobile but it functionally it's probably the most street legal out of all of them like it's the <laughs> one that you well, easy well the the batman the robert pattinson one is probably the most street legal because that's it's mostly just a muscle car but, so up up until okay fair enough up until the Batman movie came out this one was the most street legal but there's something about it like this is not the most badass Batmobile but every time I look at the 1966 Batmobile it puts a smile on my face and like the idea of like jumping on in in that thing on a summer day and driving to like you know go get ice cream or something like it just feels so heartwarming it feels americana it feel it brings a smile to my face and that's why i would pick this one so i don't know if we matched you might pick a different batmobile <laughs> but we that's did. what i, I went with <laughs> I, I struggled long and hard about putting a batmobile on my list but then it comes down to what i base my prowess on and i know that i would want the michael keaton batmobile batman 80 yes so that's and the that, that, that was my second choice so um 
And I know that. And we've talked about, you know, when we talk about like a long time ago when we started the podcast, we did our favorite vehicles from pop culture. Look, dude, if I could own a Batmobile, I'd own a Batmobile. Um, there's not a lot of practicality to it, but I would definitely own a Batmobile if I could. So, no, unfortunately, we did not match. Um, for my final pick of the night, I um, this is something I've thought about for a very, very long time. And if I had the money to have it in my house, I would. I just don't know where I'd hang it. Um, but it would be absolutely amazing. I want Han Solo and Carbonite hanging somewhere. Oh, so like, good. Like a full life-size Han and Carbonite. It's something I've, I've thought about a long time. Like, dude, this would be the perfect prop. To, even if I could get someone to make a prop replica, just to hang it. Like, I, w- I, don't, I wouldn't want to put it on like, the back of a door, but like at the end of a hallway or something. Like that, you know, like, yeah. it would be amazing. Um, well, so I've seen yeah, that's, so many. That's just something I've thought about for so long. Like, that should be in my house. <laughs> so I've seen online, like, people will have replicas of that as, like, coffee tables and stuff. But sure. honestly, if you just go the classic route and have it hanging on a wall or something, I feel like that's kind of cooler in this day and age but uh no such a good call really awesome um i didn't pick a star wars prop for my list i probably should have maybe i could trade out like the hattori hanzo sword for a screen used lightsaber or something but <laughs> i, was I actually thinking, i was like when i wrote down the first two things i wrote down were han and carbonite and the raiders fertility idol and i'm like well if i'm not careful it's all going to be indiana jones and star wars let's think outside the box <laughs> which, a little bit more. which it could have been but yeah like i said most of my uh stuff comes from superhero movies which could actually lead into my next pick which isn't necessarily a superhero movie but it's definitely adjacent and definitely okay. comic book inspired because i want to own the blunt man and chronic comic book pages from the movie Chasing Amy. So I'm talking about uh, original pencils and or inks that were used for the comic book pages that you see in the movie and the opening credits and stuff. Um, knowing like a little bit of behind the scenes stuff about Chasing Amy, uh, Mike Allred, who is most well known for doing like the indie comic book um, Madman, but he's done a lot of like stuff for Marvel and D- DC. He had like a really cool, fantastic four run at Marvel and stuff. He's got like a really distinct, um, definitely superhero, but definitely also very indie style to his drawings, which is really awesome. Like he's one of my favorite artists and uh, to own those pages would be so cool because like. I said, I love this artist, but also I love that movie and I love Jay and Silent Bob. So this would just be like one of the coolest movie pieces of history that like I personally could own. And it's such an easy like you get them framed up really nice. You hang them, you know, right on the wall, right above the dining room table. Totally joking. My wife probably wouldn't let me do that, but I'd have to find a really cool spot to hang them. So that's my uh, final pick is those blunt man and chronic pages from uh, chasing Amy. Yeah. That's kind of a, that's kind of a cool poll. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Well, like I said, going through this list would be kind of quick because we didn't really, we were just like basically decorating our house with stuff. We know that our spouses won't let us get, um, out of out of all our lists, though, if you want to email the email us and let us know which picks you would, you know, which props and stuff you would choose. This is a pretty fun one. Like it's a short list. Like there's not a lot to say, but it's really fun talking about and having your 
you know, Barbie dream house in your head where you can just play all this stuff is like a really cool thing to think about. So, yeah, absolutely. Um, all right. So next week, let's see, where are we at? Cause we're running into holiday stuff. So next week's going to be Thanksgiving week. Um, I was trying to think of a cool list to do, maybe theme it, but I couldn't come up with anything in terms of theme wise, but this one I've been kind of batting around a little bit. I kind of scrolled through our list of lists. Honestly, I was like, dude, let's talk about board games. Nope, we've done board games. And then I was like, oh, wait, let's talk about this. Nope, we've done that. So we're going to get to a point where we're going to have to revisit some lists. But I did have an idea. I want to talk about whodunit mysteries. Oh, awesome. So it doesn't matter if it's a television show or a movie or a book or a comic or something. But I just thought it'd be kind of cool to talk about a whodunit mystery in the realm of that's the only catch is the mystery has got to be who did it. You know, like it's the idea. It's like the murder mystery and you got to figure out who the killer is and stuff like that. I just thought it'd be kind of a fun list to discuss. Um, So is this is this movies, books, TV shows? Like it could literally literally be anything because I've read a handful of comic books where like like Batman Hush, for example, is a perfect like, well, who's Hush? Who is this guy? Like the, the 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 whole point is like trying to figure out who this new villain is because you think he's a already existing villain or like you run into like an old school play like some agatha christie thing or maybe there's a book that you're just like oh my god i couldn't put the book down i had to figure out who the killer was or it was a television show and it was a story arc like we know there's great shows out there like you're a big fan of the sinner for example i you know oh yeah yeah i'm just throwing those out on the table for right now um there's the idea of like a few good men um who gave the order you know what I mean? Who did it? You know, it's the it's the who did it mystery. So I just thought, you know, it would be kind of a fun one to tackle. Some of those things this, we've talked about if they make the list, but there's a lot out there. So this is fun, too, because I remember growing up, I used to never have time for like just mysteries as a genre. Like I was I was always, you know, like, yeah, this mystery stuff is cool. But, you know, where's the aliens and spaceships and stuff? <laughs> but, uh, you know, as like as I've gotten older, like I really love like a good mystery series or movie or i haven't delved super far into literature with it but no this will be a really fun list to tackle so yeah all right well are you up for uh putting this one to bed for the night and uh yeah yeah all right we'll toss this one in the can yeah um all right everyone (laughs) do us all a favor check out our website top5report.com there you'll find links to all of our social media twitter and facebook along with the link to our email top five report at gmail.com you can interact with the show there hit us up on our social media either way works we're not i'm not the best at keeping up with the social media side of the show and i really need to get better so i'm going to try to do that a little bit more um <laughs> but uh so yeah um we are on google play iHeartRadio, stitcher apple podcasts um we can um Audible and Amazon. You can subscribe to us in those places. If you do, you will not miss a single episode. You can also leave us a review. We love those five stars, but we understand criticism because it helps us get better and it makes the words we say feel important. Uh, you can follow me personally on Twitter and Instagram at Drew3927. Peter, what about you? Yeah, uh, you can follow me on Twitter at Ninja Pierre. And that's where I will be reminding you this Thanksgiving that the best family dinner conversations usually include politics, religion, abortion, and, you know, stuff like that. (laughs) (laughs) Yay for Thanksgiving. (laughs) All right. Um, For the Top 5 Report, I'm Drew. I'm Peter. And uh, we'll talk to you next week. Thanks for listening, everybody.